day. My name's Christian, for those that don't know me, and I will, um, I'm leading the, the church with my good lady wife, Angie, who sat at the front. Um, did a cracking job last week, in fact, didn't we? Um, so, very good. Very nice. So, um, let's, let's get straight into it. Um, it's not an RE test, this, don't worry, but... Uh, can you name me the Gospels? What are the Gospels here? Let's see how much we are on this one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very good. Okay. Now, these aren't trick questions. Okay, that's comes next. Who wrote Matthew? Who wrote the book of Matthew? Matthew. Are we all right with that? We think. Maybe. Who wrote the book of Mark? Go on. Mark. You're going with Mark. All right. Who wrote the book of Luke? <laughs> it's not a trick. We reckon Luke. You reckon Luke. All right. What about John? Who wrote the book of John? Well, you see, does he say? Does it say, actually, that John wrote it? Which is interesting. I mean, you could say that about a few of them. We're just going to have a look at a few, a few scriptures where he does identify himself. John 13, verse 23, says the following. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, this is the author, basically, of a lot of the time which he says. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. John 21, verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple, whom Jesus loved, following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper, and so on and so forth. John 21, verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Moving on to the bit on the bottom, John 20 verse 2. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away the, the Lord out of the tomb and I don't know where they have laid him. Now we've been discussing over the last few weeks what is our identity or where is our identity and, and where we actually place our identity. And for John, his identity, if we're going to say it was John that wrote it, is not in his name, it's not in his qualifications, it's not in his job, it's not in his ministry. He doesn't call himself John the Fisherman, does he? The, the book, according to John the Fisherman, work with me on this, he doesn't. All right, if, you, if, you, if you're dubious, just look it up later. He doesn't call himself John the Head of Catering. He doesn't call himself John the Evangelist. He doesn't call himself any of these names. John's identity is completely in Jesus loves me. All the way through, he calls himself the one loved by Jesus. And he kept calling himself this all the way through. Now, can you imagine meeting this guy? Can you imagine, actually? Do you know what I mean? Hi, my name's Christian. What's your name? Well, I am loved by God. I mean, it'd be a bit naff, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? You, 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 you could try it in the cafe later with people that you don't know. Just go out to them and say, no, I'm loved by Jesus. Who are you? Yeah, you might get an interesting response from them there. But um, it does, I thought it sounded really arrogant for years when I read this. When I was um, years into being a Christian, I thought, what is this guy saying? It's a really strange thing to be calling yourself like, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because I thought he was there saying that he was loved more than anybody else. And he had this like special relationship, which I thought, you know, what's this doing in the Bible even? Um, because you think like that a lot of the time, or I do. Um, but he wasn't saying that. He didn't say, I am John, the disciple loved more than anyone else. He just said, I am John. Well, he didn't even say I'm John. He said, I am the disciple loved by Jesus. That's what he was saying. 
So what he was doing was reminding himself again and again and again that he was loved. Every single time he wrote it, he was reminding himself that he was loved. The other disciples don't do this. You can read it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't refer to themselves in that way at all. It's just John. John is the only disciple that, in writing at least, places his identity in the love of Jesus. But so what? Really? What impact does it actually have? I can stand here and go, well, you know, isn't that nice? But what difference does it make? This is where you can interact, because it's not a TV. Oh. Oh, okay, I like that, yeah. I, that's not written on my slide thing here, but we can go down that line, actually. That's quite interesting. It would be more personal, actually. Yes, very true. Jesus was arrested. When Jesus was arrested and he was taken to the cross, go with me on this. What did the disciples do from what you know? They ran away. They legged it. They were filled with fear. Even Peter, even Peter, who's like all kind of like, I will never deny you. I will be like this. I'm amazing. He, even he was like legging it away. He was filled with fear. They were all filled with fear. They all ran apart from one. The one who knew he was loved didn't. Where the others were filled with fear, John was filled with courage. 1 John 4 verse 18 says, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Knowing Jesus completely and utterly loves us completely changes us from the inside out. Putting our identity in the love of God, putting our identity in the fact that we are loved by God changes us completely. As you can see very, very quickly just by examining John's life. And if you actually read the letters by John, they are absolutely filled with the love of God as well. He is totally and utterly consumed with this whole concept, if you like, of how much God loves us. 1 John 4, verse 19. So let's, we're going to look at some benefits of, of just knowing that God loves you, knowing and putting your identity there. There's some, there's some major benefits, which we'll, we'll do a whistle-stop tour of briefly. 1 John 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. God first showed his love for us by sending Jesus to die for us on the cross. That there in itself was that we could enjoy, as Ali was saying there, there's an, an enjoyment. Our relationship with him is supposed to be enjoyable. And, and, and he, that was what it was there for, enjoy an, an eternal relationship with God. That was why he died. That's the, the, the level of love that God had for us and God still does because it doesn't end there. He continually pours that love into our hearts again and again and again. Because what this is really saying as well, as much as anything, is that God's love for us is the starting point for our own love. Okay? It's our fuel. It's our motivation. It's our power to love God and to love others. All right? If you, it's the top two commandments. When God was asked, when, when Jesus was asked, what are the top two commandments? He returned back, love God, love others. Yep. Are we happy with that? That's what he said. And I'm going to listen to him because, you know, he's in charge of the universe. So, 
I'm, I'm reckoning that he, he knew what he was talking about. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes I can't do that very well. I get quite selfish. There are things that I, I get wrong. But he's saying, look, it starts with knowing that you're loved. It starts with knowing that I love you completely. And my love for you is your fuel. My love for you is your motivation. My love for you, for you is your power to go out and to love others. And this is crucial. If you ever get lost in your Christian walk, if you ever, ever, ever are worried about where you're at, or you're, you're losing your way, come back to the God's unconditional love for you. Return to that place that he loves you right there. If you're ever wandering around going, I'm, I'm just lost, I'm not sensing him, I just don't get it, it's not the same as it used to be, come back to that place. Because that place is the safe, secure place for us every single time. God's unconditional love will never, ever, ever be taken away from us. Amen? It's there. You might not always sense it. You may not always be there in it. You might be going, oh, I'm feeling all floaty. It doesn't matter. His love is always there. We come back to that place. His ever-present, ever-faithful love. Wherever we are at, we can return to that place because that place there is our rock. It's our security. It's the place where we can root down in. Psalm 63, which has already been mentioned that's a load of people have nicked my scriptures already, but we'll go into this. 63 verse 3 and 5. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Just pause on that a minute. There is nothing better in the whole of the world that you can experience than the love of God. All right? Some dubious faces and some nodding, all right? But that's, that's what it's written. Your love is better than life itself. There's nothing else better. It's top number one, okay? That's, the, that's as far as it goes. You're not going to get anything better. And sometimes I will educate myself on that again and again if I think other things are a little bit better. But it's the way that it works. God's love is better than anything you'll experience. It's richer. It's more fulfilling. He talks further down, I will be fully satisfied. It's the most satisfying experience we will ever, ever have. Again and again and again. It's, it fills us up so much that we will be strong because of it. And there is nothing more that we can enjoy better than it. So if I, if I, if I was to, I've done this before, I'm sure. I won't go through, through this again. But it, you we can fill ourselves up on things from the world. We can fill ourselves up from distractions and all the rest of it that aren't necessarily sinful, but they just get in the way. And it's like, I'm sure, I don't want to, Hendrik's not in the room. But if you just went to McDonald's again and again and again and filled up on McDonald's, you wouldn't really want to eat much fantastically delicious food from a restaurant. Are you with me? Well, if you went to a really nutritious restaurant... That sounds really bad. You feel me in this now? If you went to a really nutritious restaurant and it was satisfying and it was wonderful and you filled up and you had dessert there and that was satisfying and all of it really, really did the great job for you, would you want to go to McDonald's after that? Would you? If you're full up, at least. Magic, why? You, I, I'm not even looking at you. Disappointed from Cheeksbury. 
Anyway, moving swiftly on. There is something in that. There is something. What do, we, what do we satisfy ourselves on? Where do we go to? Because the joy is in our relationship with the love of God, you know, and our relationship with Jesus, and drawing off his love. Romans 8, verse 35 to 30 and 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The answer is no, which is given in 36. And then he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The love of God, the always connected love of God, breathes into the core of our being a tangible strength that empowers us to overcome every single difficulty. All right? I'm not saying easily, but it will empower you to overcome everything that you have to go through in life. The love of God is something that's tangibly able to experience, and, you can, and it will strengthen you from the inside out. Whatever you're going through right now, however difficult, However hard, however much it seems really insurmountable right now, you can come to the love of God and you can say, Jesus, I need your love. And you can wait and experience God's love. And his love will strengthen you from the inside out. That's the truth. If you've never experienced it, we can give you an experience of it later. We, we, we can pray for you to have an experience and then later, because God's love is an incredibly enforcing power that enables you to do this. Now, I know this in my head, all right? I know I'm loved by Jesus in my head. It's, that's the way it is. My head gets it. But my heart forgets every now and again. I'll be honest with you. The, 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 this inner conviction, this belief of his love can be lost easily. And that's when life gets bogged down by the demands of the day. You with me? And I'm just looking at the list of stuff that needs to be done. And I, I, I can live, rather than living aware of his love and rather than living aware of his presence, I can lose that very quickly if I'm not careful. Has anyone else found that? You're not always living aware that he loves you. And so how do we grow in that heart revelation that we're loved by Jesus? How, how do we believe it more? Because this is the crux of it. Most of you sat there going, yeah, I get it. Jesus loves me. But he's kind of got to go from our heads to our hearts. He's kind of going to go from up here to down into our hearts to have revelation of it, to make a difference in our lives. What do we do? What did John do? Let's go back to that. Kept on speaking it out over his life again and again and again. He kept on repeating it. Why? Why did he keep on repeating it? What difference does repeating it make? Ooh, this is like being a teacher, actually, at the moment. <laughs> Lots of questions. Gets it through your thick skull. That came from Matchek, by the way, not from me. <laughs> All right, let's have a quick look. It does make a, a spiritual difference. As you keep on speaking it out, because it's the word of God, speak it out. Romans 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. As we speak out verses about Jesus' love for us, it causes a belief within us to rise up. Amen? It causes faith inside of us to rise up. The word of God causes faith to rise. It causes the truth to be planted down deeper. 
Parable of the sower, yeah? The truth goes down deeper and deeper and deeper. And the more the truth goes down deeper, the more faith rises within us. So the more that we speak out, I am loved by God, I am loved by Jesus, I am loved by Jesus, the more you'll start to believe it. The more faith, the more inner conviction, the more your heart will have revelation of it. And you'll live in that moment of, I am loved and I get it, I'm properly loved. And it will make an impact, it will make a difference in your lives. Yes? Are we with that? I am loved by Jesus. I am loved by Jesus. You keep on speaking that out. The more we speak that out, the more our lives are changed from the inside out. The more we're filled with courage and less with fear. And that makes a huge, huge, huge difference. The more we believe it, then the more we experience it. Because experience always follows faith. Okay? It's never the other way around. Or very rarely experience. You, know, you need to be grounded in the word. It's word, then faith, then experience. And it always comes in that order. So I've learned of a while and, and, and of late again to start the day, each day, thanking Jesus that he loves me. Get out of bed very quickly before breakfast. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. And I just pause, and I wait, and I just thank him for that. And I soak in God's love. It's the first thing I look to do at the start of each day. Because if I don't, then my day goes very, very wrong very, very quickly. So I just wait, and I soak in God's love, and I thank him that he loves me. And I'll just keep thanking him for a while, for a, a, a little bit of time, just resting in that time. And every day, I sense his approval. Every day, I sense a strengthening on the inside. And this means that every day I can, I can operate out of love. I can operate out of God's love for others rather than me struggling and striving to get through the day. The power of believing this love is massive. I may have told you this story before, before but there's an amazing story about a minister from Oregon who is assigned... Um, a, to provide counseling in a state mental institution. Um, his first assignment was to a padded cell that housed patients that couldn't even talk. They were in such a state. And he had to spend an hour a day there of his working day, of his working week, every day he'd have to go there. And Every day he would go, and every day he would try, and every day he would get nothing. An hour a day of his working day, spending his time counseling. I say counseling because he wasn't getting anywhere with them at all. What a complete waste. Day after day, going in. Day after day, trying to make a difference. Day after day, doing nothing. Then one day, the Holy Spirit prompted him to spend the entire hour singing the hymn that goes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So he got his guitar, I don't know how good he was with his guitar, but, he, you know, maybe he had a computer. But as far as he went, he went through it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. For a whole hour, and nothing happened. He did the same the next day, nothing again. He did the same the next day, absolutely nothing. So he carried on for weeks doing the same thing again and again. How long, how many of us would have given up by this point? Moaning and groaning, but no words coming from these patients. They don't speak. 
singing the same song. But as time passed, some of the patients began singing along. Not speaking, just singing. One by one, they started joining in. And amazingly, by the end of the first month, 36 of these severely ill patients were transferred from, an Ill, from a high dependency unit to a self-care ward. One month of just singing along to the same song again and again. Jesus loves me, this I know. Within a year, a year, that's a long time, but within a year, all but two of them were completely discharged from the mental institution. All but two. That's amazing. That's what the power of knowing that you're loved by God can make to your life. These guys were way, they couldn't operate in normal life at all, and they just kept on going over the same truth, very small truth, again and again and again. And in the end, their lives were completely transformed. It changes us from the inside out. It heals our hurts. It heals our lives. It grants us a freedom and a joy that we can get from nowhere else. And it's vital that we have got this identity more than any other. More than this, and as I've said already, it helps us to experience it. The more we know we're loved by him, the more we can actually experience it. Romans 5, 5 says the following, This hope will not lead us to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You already have the Holy Spirit inside of you, poured out. Amen? All right. God is always, always, always loving us. He's always pouring his love tangibly into our hearts. Okay? He's always doing that again and again and again. You may be right now sat in your chair going, well, I feel nothing. But he's doing it. That's what he's doing right now. That's the Holy Spirit. He does that right now. The Holy Spirit gives our souls a rich sense of the greatness of God's love. That's what's happening right now. Just pause on that a second. That's what's taking place. And the more you pause on that, you think, more, the more we can actually sense something happening. His love lives inside of us permanently, and he never, ever, ever takes it away. That's always the case. We can't be separated from that love, as we've already read. Now, if you like your Greek, for those that like a bit of Greek, fancy getting into Greek, it means this. The Holy Spirit is, called, is working to cause us to experience his love. So that's the phrase. You know, that's, when you pull it out, that's what it means. The Holy Spirit is at work to cause us to experience his love. Paul's words, not mine. That's what's happening all the time. That's one of the, the Holy Spirit's got lots of jobs. That's one of them. He can multitask. He's pretty impressive. And so our job is to let the Holy Spirit have his way, is to give him access to our hearts, is to stop, to reflect on that love and say thank you for that love, to believe in that love, to rest in that love, to enjoy that love. Jesus' love permeates every single fiber of our souls. This is good stuff. I wish I was listening to this right now. <laughs> it is quality, but it's wonderful. God aches for each and every one of us to have the deepest of relationships. And he aches for each and every one of us 
to enjoy his love just like you would want your children to enjoy your love. Amen? So, 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 so vital. Now, as far as it goes, it doesn't end just with us going, oh, this is so wonderful, I will experience God's love and then I'll go out and do whatever. Because the actual experience of God's love leads many people to Jesus. And that is a huge, huge thing. I remember being at a service, um, leading a service a few years back, and a person came to the front and said, I want to experience this love. I want to experience like this God that you talk about. And I said, that's fine. I don't know why I asked, but I said, are you a Christian? And they said, no, I'm not. I said, well, do you want to become a Christian first? They said, no, I don't. I want to experience it first, and then I'll make my mind up. <laughs> it's like, oh, no pressure. I'll just pray then and see what happens. And we prayed. And he was like, man, that was amazing. I've never felt like that before. And he became a Christian. There are, there are times when it works the other way around. People want to experience first. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong because God wants everyone to come to know him. God wants everyone to experience him. His love is always being poured out to every single person. Ephesians 3 verse 19 says the following. To know, that is to experience Christ's love. This is Paul's prayer. That surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Get that. Experiencing God's love fills us to the measure of the fullness of God. Think about that for a second. The more you experience his love, the more you are filled with the fullness of God the more you can go out and affect your communities, the more you can go out and God will be all over you in such a way that you can't contain it because the fullness of God is all through you and working through you. Yeah, that's a massive part of experiencing. We're not supposed to be experiencing God's love just for us. It's to change the world. So as we get to know we're loved and we, as we get to experience that love, we are filled with him and we're soaking in him, gives us that supernatural energy and a power to impact others. And it, that's what makes a huge difference to everyone you'll come across, to everyone. It's God's love in action that what is what we want to do. We want to demonstrate and we want to declare the love of God to people. That's what makes people's lives change all the time. I've got a hat for Christmas. This is my illustration for you. Now, our bins, where we've got our bins, like this needs a bit of backdrop. Where we've got our bins, it's around the side of the house, right? And you can't see when, you go to, when it's night. You can't see a thing. It's just like black, completely black. But if you fumble around, you can find them. The problem is we've got a green bin and a blue bin, and some of them for recycle and some of them for the, just the bin, you know, the rubbish bin. So you can put things in the wrong bin. So for Christmas, I got this. Yay. <laughs> well, that's good, then, isn't it? Now, this is super bright in the nighttime. I don't know what it's like looking at it. Now, I'll give it to the camera there. Um, you charge it up. You charge it up. It's got one of them USB charger things. You charge it up, and then what happens is, well, I mean, you don't need to charge it up every time you go to the bin. It, well, it lasts for a while. 
But I, I put it on. It's very nice and warm, actually. I'm like, pretty stressed the preaching. It's lovely. <laughs> and you go out in the thing, and the, honestly, the, the, you, you lit up like a Christmas tree. You go out, and the bins are like daylight all of a sudden. Absolutely amazing. It's fantastic. You have no problem. You can see where to put everything there. I go around Tewkesbury. Uh, if I go, you know, at night time, I'm lighting the place up, honestly. There was a plane coming in to land near my head at one point. <laughs> Quite scary, so you have to be careful. But, but there's a point to this, I can't remember what it was. Yes. <laughs> as we soak in God's love daily, as we charge ourselves up, if you like, yes. As we do that, then we can bring God's light we can bring God's love, we can bring God's hope into other people's darkness. Amen? Yep. So we basically need to spend our time soaking in him if it's going to make any difference to the people that need it the most. Okay? And so we charge, we charge up, but we soak in him, we rest in him, we thank him for it. And basically, that's going to make a huge, huge, huge difference. If you're going to get anything out of this, this whole message really has been in knowing that we're loved by him. So every single, spend some part of the day thanking him for that. Just, just doesn't take long. Honestly, it doesn't take long. Jesus, I thank you that I'm loved by you. Bring that into your everyday diet of, of the day. The mornings are the best for me because it just sets me off nice. Thank you that I'm loved by you. Soak in that love. And then start off your day soaked in his love and change the world around you because you will it will happen accidentally just by spending that time soaked in his love and set on his love. Amen? Brilliant. If I can have the band up, that would be great. Um, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, yet we have already mentioned that Jesus wants you in a close relationship with him that lasts forever. And it is a case of literally saying yes to him. As we've already been singing, I open my heart to you. I want you in my heart. I want you close to me. And so um, if that's for you, I'm just going to pray a prayer right now and I'll have you praying after me. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me on the cross. I thank you that you want to have relationship with me. I repent, I turn my back on all the wrong, all the sin I've done in my life. And I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, come and live in my heart. Amen.